Welcome to Sexy Confidence with Eva, the relationship maker, where we talk about dating, relationships. We talk about life and successes, especially when I have guests. If you have any questions, please don't forget to ask me on my website, evatherelationshipmaker.com. On the right-hand side up, there is such a thing, a little line says, ask Eva, it's going to be my pleasure to answer it. I'm very lucky to have a very special lady. Her name is Dr. Unati Makiwane. And I have been rehearsing her name because it's a very interesting name. She was born in South Africa. She went to a medical school, a medical university. And she emigrated to Canada in 2010, Saskatchewan. And 2014, she moved to Alberta where she founded the United Medical Clinic. She works for herself and she has quite a few people with her. What I was very interested in, she was talking about, she had a special interest, and I'm going to read this, in human behavior and has completed various cognitive behavioral therapy courses in Canada and in the US. And she's also a certified children's self-esteem coach and passionate about medical aesthetics and healthy living. And that's very interesting about the children's self-esteem because I find that it's really something people have, I mean, kids, they have problems with that. She launched her men's health talk show in May, 2020. Launched her live Dr. M Health Corner talk show in LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook in February, 2021. And she was elected to be president of Black Mental Health Matters Global Pan-Africanism Network, which is very, very interesting. Um, and can I ask you, does what does Unati mean? Because I have a, a, an idea what it means, but it's such an unusual, beautiful name. Can you tell me what Unati means? First of all, thank you so much for having me, Eva. Thank you so much. Honestly, this is a beautiful day for us to have this discussion. Unati means God is with us. It is oh. a unisex name. Yeah, it's a South African unisex name. Yeah, boys and girls, they are Unatis. God is with us. Because for me, I was thinking that you are unique, Unati. It's like I, I was going to the Italian kind of meaning. But really? yeah, it's beautiful. Yes, actually, even in India, I was surprised. I met a few friends in Thailand a few years ago, and they said, yeah, Unati, that's how they pronounce it. And I think it also means something godly. It's a beautiful name. Yes. It I'm is. <laughs> it is. It's, finally, I said, I don't have to think about Jill, Jillian, uh, <laughs> whatever. It's, it's like, right. it's right. very, you know, yeah. I cannot mess it up. Good. Yeah. Thank you. I'm curious because we were talking, we were chatting a little bit on Instagram and we were talking about uh, what is going on now and how the mental health is a huge, huge problem. Today, I listened to somebody, a, a gentleman talking, says, I'm not afraid of not being to be able to eat or not having a job, but I'm afraid that I'm losing my mind. And Mental health and mental problems are so sky up. 
not just for not just for adults but also for children the the suicide rate and men men are like they are the the hunters the gatherers what kind of men get uh, uh, contacting you to ask you how you can help them thank you so much eva like i said it's important we talk about this and somehow i think covid-19 really brought it to the surface most especially for men because as we both know men globally they are given the role of leadership so how do they come out and say hey i have trouble with my mind you know so i think this is a blessing and you probably have seen it on clubhouse how vulnerable men are there they are sharing their stories it's something that i've never seen in my practice you know as a matter of fact in our practices we see mostly women you know and that's why even here in canada when you look at the lifespan men they die earlier than men that than women you know the lifespan lifespan average of women is 84 and men is 80 so that really shows that men they tend to come late a little bit late compared to their counterparts so yeah basically i'm seeing a lot of uh, more alcohol abuse mm-hmm. with all this isolation now you know there's more alcohol abuses anxiety you know there's sense of loss people are depressed people lost jobs and recently i had even divorce rate has gone up in canada oh, yeah. yes so there's a lot of that and of course with children i'm glad you mentioned kids kids are struggling with anxiety you know um although i don't have a stats on what's going on out there but definitely most especially the high school kids because there was a time where they were doing schooling online you know they were not seeing their friends you know so it's it's sad it's quite sad but there's hope there's hope there's hope good yes yes, good. yes. <laughs> i want to mention that there's hope you know the beauty about canada we have services you know mental health is it's free you know mental health services it's free there's uh, different provinces they have their own programs there's distress center people could text could text and there's also hotlines people could reach you know and um like i'm seeing more and more of my male patients coming in with struggles you know people coming in to discuss their mental health and there's been triggers you know people are bringing in stories from childhood because we are given time to be with ourselves now you know there's not much noise around us eva yeah so people now there's lots of triggers people now are sharing their childhood stories you know and i want us to also explore the concept of sexual abuse in boy children and men yeah. the unspoken pain of sexual abuse in men and boys and you know what we are in one of those places that it's like uh, in vancouver wherever there is a port it's yeah. much worse than any other places but other places too i don't know how you grew up right. but i know that yeah i grew up in under communism and that time men how to say they were more privileged than women we ju- we were just women but right. they had a function they had a way how to uh how to uh, well, for their purpose but there was no side of a mental health practitioners mm-hmm. if somebody would not act accordingly they would go to an asylum 
So men, even if they had problems, they would not, they did not have the, the place to open up. And I find that it's amazing that we are living here and we have that comfort and that possibility. Mm-hmm. And I think men are, are lost. Don't you find that men are lost? They don't know uh, where they stand. They don't know what is their purpose. Absolutely, Eva. You know what? Let's go back to the history. This is a global phenomenon. I come from South Africa and looking back, I've practiced medicine more here than back home. Mm-hmm. I don't remember treating a male patient with depression, for instance. Yes, I've seen, I've treated people with schizophrenia and of, of course, maybe with bipolar, mostly when they are manic, uh, when they are in the manic episode, but very few men would come and talk about their depression. And it goes back to the cultures. You know, men have been given this leadership, even raising boys. Now I'm starting to educate parents at that level. When we are raising our boy children, what do we tell them when they are hurting? What do we say to them when they are hurting? Do we tell them not to cry? And that's basically what men have been told. It doesn't matter which culture you belong to, Mm -hmm. right? You're saying from your communist culture, but this is a global thing. Here in Canada, like I said, men don't necessarily come early. I'm hearing stories from childhood. People are living with this pain for 40 years. And I think it's just the societies we've lived in. There was never a space for men, for boy children to be, to be vulnerable and express who they really are inside. And I always tell my male patients, we feel the same way. We have the same emotion centers. So it starts with how are we growing? How are we grooming our boy children and women? What do you tell your husband, your spouse, when do you have you created that space for him? Because some women also, because of the culture, because of how they are raised, some women, men that come to me, tell me that, how do I even tell my wife? How do I, this is the first time doc, I'm sharing it with you. I'm sharing it with you because you are a stranger. I don't want my wife to think that I'm not man enough. I don't want my spouse to think that I'm not man enough. You know, so there's a lot of things that we need to unpack. You know, even things like sexual issues, like men at some point will experience erectile dysfunction. So what I always do, I always ask my male patients to bring their spouses in because this is a family issue. This is your partnership issue. This affects you both, right? So that's why I always say, bring in your partner. Let's talk about it. So it makes a difference. Communication always, you know, it can demolish walls and people don't want to communicate. But one of the things that I, I totally agree with you, like, like we were talking about, there are many divorces. Mm-hmm. So, and had been since quite a while, the family structure breaking up. I watched the movie and this couple went in a search for, uh, for shamans in different countries, went even in Africa, in, the, in Australia. And in the old times, really, there was a tribe around men. They were teaching them how to be men. But now, a lot of times, the father is absent, and the mother is a single mother who works, uh, I don't know, two jobs, three jobs. Two jobs, yes. So how, how can learn a boy to be men? How can they defend 
the their basic essence who they are if if we live like this you know what there's also another component to what you said eva let's make an example just down south here in the united states who is mostly incarcerated it's black men minority groups this is a continuous history of trauma you know the history of slavery affected family units all right so men are mostly in jail but i mean fair percentage of them women are raising their children alone and even look at the system the school system here in canada do we have more male teachers than females it's mostly female dad i mean female teachers so like you are saying who is going to influence these boys who's going to bring that manhood the teachings because everywhere they go there's a woman their mother their father is absent broken families they go to school it's women teachers all right you know so it, it, i think as a society we need to redefine manhood we need to i always say we have all the oprahs michelle obamas all these amazing women who are influential in the world they teaching girls they building all these schools which is lovely but who is going to marry those girls they're going to go back to the same boys that didn't have any guidance some of them that lack self esteem and that's where we see domestic gender based violence because now they feel disempowered when they go back to those girls that are empowered so we need to redefine our nations the societies we need more men to stand up and empower boys and actually i i love the fact that you also work with boys because it starts with us again let's bring our maternal energy our maternal power to also bring these spaces for men and boys because men unfortunately they are not talking about it they are struggling yeah recently on Clubhouse there was a gentleman who was telling me that he's a firefighter and you know how stressful that job is mm-hmm. and how unpredictable things can be they also doing paramedic work so it's trauma continuously and he said man we don't talk about this at work there is no space to talk about it and yet we are heading people are abusing drugs people are divorcing people are struggling with ptsd with depression but there's no space to vent you see this is the uh, i was always saying and i have been saying for a long time in all times and i'm going to back all times i know women liberation it's amazing and uh but it a little bit deviated from the cause and being something that totally different but men they had a club and it was the men's club they were going there they were talking about issues they were renting they were getting out steam and by the time they got home they were okay because we cannot expect the woman to be everything to us mm-hmm. but that was their space and now women wanted to 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 join those clubs i don't know why but i think they need a space where they can vent when they can talk to the other men and actually empower themselves between each other and have that men energy so when they come out they feel whole yes you know what actually i was so impressed there's a gentleman a psychotherapist in fort mac mm-hmm. him and his other clubs he has in his in his practice 
he also extended and doing a lot of community work. He's actually joined with other clubs in Ontario. They're talking about these issues, men club. You know, I think it's important for men to have such spaces. And I think, like you said, we need to go back to the olden days where we also value the power of community. We have lost community sense. Unfortunately, social media is not making it easy. You know, people are busy, are busy, but I'm hopeful. You know, a space like Clubhouse, to me, it's a revolution. I'm pretty sure you are seeing the change. Men are more expressive there. And I think I even love the fact that it's an audio. They can be comfortable. They can be vulnerable. It's just lovely to watch them voice out how they feel. There's a lot of groups where they talk about, today, how are you feeling? You know? I think let's normalize asking even the men in our lives, the boy children, how are you feeling today? You know, listen, sometimes we also want to fix, you know, sometimes as women want to fix, and I know that men also want to fix our problems. I think it's about time we create these spaces. How are you feeling? And let's validate feelings. I think that's where we need to start. Let's validate feelings. They are valid. And I always say there's no amount of pain that should say Eva is feeling it less or more than I do. Pain is pain. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the other thing is women, when they raise kids, especially when they raise their son, because they if they are alone, they feel like uh, they have to protect them instead of letting them uh, experience life. Because you you are... I'm always saying there are many kinds of uh, abuse. There is physical abuse, there is mental abuse, and there is abuse when you don't let, you don't prepare your child for life. Yes, that's powerful, Eva. That's powerful because it's interesting you mentioning that in the parenting styles, I always add the fourth one, the helicopter parenting. We have become helicopter parents, mm -hmm. you know, and I think it's because of what's happening in the world. Uh, on social media, our children are exposed to all these people that are dangerous, right? You know, how many people find their kids in trouble because someone gave them a laced fentanyl, right? So I think parents are, they're trying their best. They don't know. We have become very, we are lost. We, we are a lost society, you know? And then I think in response to trying to protect, we overdo it. Yeah. Today, parents... I've seen parents, sometimes when I'm dropping my son at school, I'm seeing a parent holding a, a, a bag. Like this is a simple thing, like a, a backpack of your child. Why are we doing that? And the school every year tells us, buy your child a bag, a brother, a bag that he can hold or she can hold. And now it starts with those little things. Why are we holding their backpacks? If your child is old enough to go to school, buy him or her an enough bag to carry. And probably we could listen to what the school says. They carry on. Little things like that. Yeah. We are empowering our children without realizing it's little things like that. You know what annoys me the most? I walk with my dog. I go in the park and I go around uh, or I'm on the bus. And parents who have a small child, three, four-year-old, and they have to be quiet because they are on the phone. Yes. Or the kid is playing and they are too busy on social media. And I'm like, you have the, like when I'm out with my dog, I pay attention to my dog. 
It's, right? it's just like, right. I want to feel the nature. I want to feel, I don't want to be bombarded with all kinds of news or whatever is going on. I want to come down. I want to enjoy like uh, stupid things that she's doing. The same thing with kids. I want to see what they are capable of doing, how they're climbing, how they are proud of whatever they're doing. And I don't know, it's, we have to educate first the parents. Yes. And now that you're mentioning that, there was a study done recently at Yale University. They were looking at these children. Kids, parents were bringing their kids because of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting, the psychiatrists and the pediatricians, they said, let's look at the parents first. Let's take history on the parents. (laughs) Guess what happened to that study? It was, the study found that it was the parents. Parents were more anxious than the kids. They treated the parents. They helped the parents with CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and also maybe medication. And kids got better. Like you are saying, we need to start with the parents, the caregivers themselves. We have become a very busy society, right? There's so much noise around us. We are not paying attention. And that's why there's so many predators out there because they are thriving because parents are sleepwalking, sleepwalking society. Yes. Have you ever seen Cesar Milan when uh, it's training the dogs? And right. So it's easy to, it's not the dogs need training, but the, the owners. And I'm always saying, if you want to have children, have a dog. And if you cannot take care of the dog, maybe you should not have children at that moment. Wait till you are ready for it. Because it's all, oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a child. But that child needs all of you. There is not such a thing that it's a little bit of you and special for the first, I don't know, seven years. I know. The first seven years are fundamental in a child. Actually, I, I'm proud of myself. My firstborn, I have two kids. When I was in Saskatchewan, I decided to go two weeks on, two weeks off. It was the best time ever. My son was four to five, best time ever, ever. I still remember the activities we did. We traveled, we did, you know, fun stuff. I know that it's not always the case for people and I'm not saying people should do that, but it was the best decision that we ever had made. It was the best, honestly, best time we ever connected with our child. I had a man today uh, on, on Clubhouse. I did a presentation and he says, Oh, I have been home for for the past few years. Take, I was I'm a home daddy. I'm taking care of the kid, wow. and he felt like he's like he diminished kind of himself when he was talking. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. said, you know what? I said that was meant to be. You are you have the best life now and enjoy it because that child is going to remember yeah. the part. It's not how much you give them as materialistic uh, I don't know whatever you want to buy them but being there with him or her and and spending time I mean that is the most valuable thing for a child is the security that comes with it the sense of being the sense of self you know the confidence the self-esteem you know I think that's what we we need to go back to the simple things time the time mm-hmm. to spend with. And I think for me, 
this COVID-19 has helped me slow down. Like you said, I started my practice. I was on the go all the time. I started a business. I needed to go, go, go. You know what I mean? So COVID-19 happened for me to reconnect with my family. It's the best gift I've ever been given because I was on the go. I had to slow down. But don't you, don't you find, I'm just curious, this is a question for you because I, I ask myself the same thing. I, I'm always go, go, go. And I'm, I'm thinking what I'm going towards to, what is so important that I cannot stop to, to take a breath of fresh air or to think about why, why as a society we have that, oh, you have to achieve the next one. You have to have the next one. Why is society so screwed up? Easy. Yes, we are screwed up, Eva. You are right. That's the right terminology. I think this redefinition, it's a revolution. This, what happened to us, happened for us to realize that life is very simple. Like, I mean, I missed my mom's. My mom is a twin. We miss going home for her 60th birthday and my aunt. And it's a very special time for them because their mom passed away giving birth to them, all right? So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a phenomenal moment for all of us, for them to have reached 60. We miss that because of COVID-19. So this is a time that has created that self-introspection, what really matters really, you know? Actually starting from this Friday today, like I said, I went to my dentist. First time I decided I'm gonna work four days a week. Good. We Absolutely. So I'm working Mondays to Thursdays, Fridays are mine to slow down, rejuvenate and connect. If you are in Calgary, I would say, Eva, let's meet for coffee. Let's go out there, right? Because it I would just be great. Slow down, yes. So for me, honestly, COVID-19 happened for me to slow down and see what really matters. And honestly, the reconnection with my family, you know, I'm just laughing at little things I would have missed when I was just go, 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 go. Like when COVID-19, I even actually reached out to friends I went to primary school with. We're laughing about crazy things we used to enjoy, you know, so I really love it. It has caused me to reconnect and it doesn't cost anything. No, it does not. It does, it does. not. Yes. But going back to, uh, to, uh, to kids, um, there are so many sick people. I don't know. Have you heard of uh, Gabor Mate? His what is that? Gabor Mate. Have you heard of him? He's a Canadian physician. Mm -hmm. he, he wrote a book, and I went to one of the presentations. Says that every illness, most of the illnesses we have, it comes from our childhood, and it's energy trapped. It depends what kind of uh, problems you have. Either you were abused physically or you were abused mentally or how, when you, when you meet your clients and you have a grown up man, do you go back all the way to the childhood to see why things happen for him? Why he feels how he feels? Why he's maybe he's not connected that much? with other people or why he's not succeeding the level he could succeed? Absolutely. Eva, you know what? Between 1997 and 1998, Kesa Permanente Institute and CDC in the States, they did a study 
on 17,000 graduates. And these were college people. These were middle class and upper class people. This is in the US. But they were looking at why do we have depression, suicides, all these chronic illnesses, drug abuse, alcohol, all these things. Why do we have all these things? And they basically came up with this study called Adverse Childhood Experiences. They did all this and they looked at, in your childhood, were you exposed to any traumatic experience, sexual abuse, physical abuse, you know, emotional abuse? Was there any poverty? Were you born in, in an era or in a country where there was terrorism? Was there any violence in your family? Your father, your mother, were they always fighting? Was there any drug abuse? One of your parents or an uncle or an aunt, did she or go to prison, right? You know, all these questions, when all these people answered this questionnaire, people who scored four and above had higher risk of developing depression, chronic illnesses like COPD, diabetes, obesity, depression, substance abuse, all these things, PTSD. And you wonder why people are disconnected, like you were saying, because I mean, that is chronic stress. Remember, when we are growing, our brains take 25 years to mature. This is applicable to both men and women, boy children and girl children. Our brains develop at the age of 25. And now it makes sense why our elders, they didn't know it from science, but they just know it logically. That's why we're always asked to wait a little bit to get to relationships like marriage, because you are more mature, you have advanced in your career, right? By the age of 25. So basically when this trauma happens, all these things I counted, if they happen continuously, imagine yourself in a state of hypervigilance. You're going back to that trauma, your parents are fighting. You are going to this violence. Even yourself, you are physically abused. You are watching all this chaos. It's oxidative stress to the brain. What happens? You change physiologically, you change hormonally, you change emotionally and psychologically. So this author is right. These people, that's why they would have high cortisol level. Like right now, things have changed even the way we address obesity. Obesity is a disease. It's not only the cake you like. Maybe how did your parents, how did you relate with food growing up? Some kids were starved. It goes back to these ACEs I was mentioning, the adverse childhood experiences. Some people were starved. So by the time they've grown and they are working, what do they do? They will eat in abundance, right? So yeah. that's one thing. And also the hormones that go up with the stress you are exposed to as a child, the cortisol, the adrenaline, that's why we have high blood pressure. Again, going back example, like I was saying, look at the First Nations in Canada. They are the most obese. They have high diabetes right? They have most mental illnesses. The history, boom. Look at down in, in the States, the post-slavery syndrome. The, the, who is mostly in, in jail? The men are in jail. They are not raised. They are not raising their kids. Yeah. The obesity, you know what I mean? So it's all tied together. The childhood trauma plays a big role. So that's where we start. I go back to those stories. We go and unpack that. Maybe someone said something harmful. Some, someone did something. Like I said, many boys and girls and, and, and men today, they're not sharing the stories of molestation. People were molested. People were traumatized in childhood. They've never shared that story with anyone. Now they cannot connect with their partners. 
we find out we, and as a society, we judge people. Oh, he is on wife number two, number three, because he has no sense of connection. That was taken away in his innocent years, you know, in his childhood. That was stolen away from him or her. And you know what's interesting? That, uh, yeah, it, um, they were going all, through all that, yes. and either they going to repeat what they learned, or they're going to choose partners that going to abuse them because that's their comfort zone. And then it's like, it's no end. And, and it just, it just continues. And then what you do, you drink, you take uh, drugs, you commit suicide. So I don't know. It's, it, it's so weird when you, when you sit in the back and you watch people and I have been working with people for a long time. So and people open up. Did you know that a woman faster divorces the husband than the hairdresser because the hairdresser knows everything about them? So, and also that's the same thing with the barmaid. You go to a bar, nobody knows you, and, and you just, that's the place where people were, you know, getting it out because nobody knows you. You're going to go once there and not you're not going back. So I... And it, and sometimes people they get to a point that it's almost hopeless. Yes, it feels that, hopeless. That, that that dark place, right? Yeah, that dark place. So I always tell my clients and my patients, you are not your story. Rise above from that story by owning it. It happened to you. You're not proud. It happened to you. You were vulnerable. You were a child. You were a minor. It happened. But then, how do we move forward? That's when we need to encourage that speaking, the therapies. There's so many other therapies now. We're not only just doing the traditional psychotherapy. You know, there's things like EMDR, the eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing of trauma. There's also the somatic therapies, the sense of touch. Some kids were never nurtured, right? And that's the basic thing, the nurturing, the hugging, the telling your child you love him or her. Some children have never heard of that. And like I said, there's that disconnect between them and their spouses and their partners. They cannot relate because they were never loved. They were never told they were loved. They were never hugged. It's simple things like that. Oh, yeah. There's it's inherited trauma too. The past, the ancestral trauma. People are still carrying that. You can live without food like a baby. We'll survive quite a few days without food and and, uh, and whatever it's needed, but never survives. It doesn't get the hug and the and the closeness. A miracle happens when when kids are born and they think they are dead and they get close to the mother or the skin, and they survive. They are they strive. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You know what? There's actually an observation I've seen, I think it's on the studies. If you look at the poor people, the people that are not working, what is the best thing they do? They have sex. A lot of them, they will have four, five, six kids. Oh, they yeah. enjoy life. <laughs> they have time. You know what I mean? And the way they will embrace their kids, they are, go to Africa and see, or just go to even in the North, First Nations where there's poverty, in places where there's poverty, there's smiles. People are happy because they are together. There's this togetherness. 
Mm-hmm. You understand? Like I remember one time I did volunteer work in Uganda and I went and saw people beautifully happy in the market. These are people that tomorrow, they don't know what's going to happen in their lives, but there's a sense of community and love. I compared it to the first world countries. How much depression do we see here in this abundance? We live an individualistic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. People are living alone. Like right now in the COVID-19, I have my seniors patients that I have to check on every week to check how they're doing because they don't have children around. People are away. You understand? So it's so sad. We live in the societies where it's so lonely. People are placed in nursing homes. Who visits them? You know, it's, I went on the islands. I went to Mexico in certain places. And people who have the last, it's like they are dancing, they are singing, they have this, this uh, joie de vivre. They want to be around, uh, around everybody and they always smile and they have little, but they, they give it to you. But then love from their heart. That's the basic of humanity. And we are there to have bigger houses, have 50 cars. How many rooms can you sleep? How many cars can you drive? Yes. What for? What for? And you go to that empty house, the big home you have, and yeah. you drown yourself in alcohol and drugs. Right? Yes, it's because true. That's the sad part. You know what? Sometimes when I when I talk to my First Nations patients, I'm like, you guys, you also have a very strong unit. Like you guys, you support each other. You see a First Nations patient, all members are here. They have a strong support system. I always say, you guys, I wish you could understand the power of your families because you have a very strong support system. They support each other, heal from that past trauma because they have a very strong, they have very strong family units. It's just that the dysfunctionality within that, that's what they need to heal from. Yeah. But you know what I like? I, um, I saw some uh, tribes and how they thrive. Basically, if people make a mistake or they do something really bad, they surround them and they they let them know how much they love them. And can you imagine that that person is not going to to be wrong again, or even if it's going to mistakes, it's okay, it's accepted. You are not put away in jail for little things like maybe uh, stealing food because you need that for your kids. You are surrounded with that love and understanding and knowing that they have your back. They have your back. Where is that? It's lacking. We don't have that in in humanity. No. We don't use that word anymore. Like you are saying, people are thrown out to jail because they've stolen food, basic needs. Older I get, more I have hard time understanding where we stand as human beings. Yes. The world has become so superficial. We, we care about material stuff. We have become like even the relationships. Let's start with the relationships. You know, people cannot connect heart to heart. People are connecting at the surface level. You know, it depends which class you belong to. You know, I just... I, I understand now, you know, I don't know if you know about this author, the monk who sold his Ferrari. You know, yes, you just I have the book. Yes, I love Robin Sharma. You know, you just 
even get to that point. Sometimes I even think about stuff like that, that, you know, sometimes you wish that, okay, I didn't have a family. I just want to go away and just reconnect with my soul yeah, and leave all this because what is it for? But many people do this at this point. They're moving away. They, they, they sizing down everything because some people got the message and it's, it's amazing to see the people who see what is important because that's going to take them, you know, in a happier place. But some people still are not there and I don't know if they will ever be there. And it goes back to the healing. Yeah. You know, some people are addicted to the material they are buying because of filling those empty spaces, the void. Emptiness. Right? So if then something lacked in your childhood, you are bound to be addicted to your shopping, to, to, to the money, to all these other things that you think would fill your void. But then depression still kicks in, alcoholism, drug abuse still, because we need to go to that source of life. We have two things that stops us. Fear. Yes. Fear, it's a big one. It's the first one. And the second one, it just jumped my mind. Fear and, and uh, what was it? We don't trust people, yes. The fear and also the limitations. And it goes back to the childhood. I mean, to build a child's self-esteem, it's as early as five years old. So if something happens to you at that age or someone does something harmful to you, you lose your being. You know, you lose fear your- Fear and shame. Fear and shame. Yeah. Shame. Yes. Guilt, shame, and fear. Those are the limitations people have. What are other people going to say? Right? You yeah. start starting your mindset. Before Eva even knows my story, I have started judging myself. Why do they need so many facelifts and so many, uh, you know, like uh, these pictures that are right? so, you know. And the insecurity, you know, it's so sad. It's so sad. Very sad. I so enjoy talking to you because <laughs> we you. are we are feeling this. We are seeing the same problems and the same solutions. It's just how to bring it together. I think it's the time for mothers to get together mm -hmm. and help our men and our women because. When there is no father, it's not just bad for the boy, but also for the girl because they don't know how they should be treated. I had a friend and he was always like so attentive to the daughter. And I'm like, oh, this is so nice to see. He says, I want to make sure that she knows how she should be treated. Absolutely. And I'm like, yes. Yes. Guess what, Eva? I always, all the time in my practice, when I am faced with there's this, it's, it's crawling into families. It's terrible. The alienation, the parental alienation syndrome, yeah. where the mothers, even the fathers, literally alienate a, child, a parent from the child. I always tell them, guys, children love you both. They don't want to compete. Don't try to compete and outdo the other one. You are confusing your child and you keep bringing them to us. For antidepressants, no, this child needs love from both parents. We need to learn co 
healthy co-parenting. That's what's lacking also when these relationships fade, the other parent feels that he or she owns this child suddenly. Yes, that's another thing that is destroying children today. The parents that are immature, they are hurting their kids. Like there's parents that will talk about like terrible use of words. How do you want your child to look at that parent? And that's basically, and it goes back to even that parent who does that. Probably he or she was raised by punitive parents, narcissistic parents. Narcissism is on the rise. So today we have narcissistic parents who were raised by narcissistic parents themselves. And now we are producing this generation of children that are narcissists. Yeah. How would you feel when your father speaks badly about your mom to you? Uh, it's, I, I'm always saying it's the worst thing that you use uh, your kid as a bargaining tool. I'm telling you, and it's happening. It's all the time. All the time. And the sad part is the systems, the court case, the court systems have not really mastered how to help these parents. No. Parents are hurting and the narcissistic ones are thriving, destroying these children. And they wonder why their kids wonder they have drug problems, they have teenage pregnancies, they have anxiety, they have depression. Yes, because you are doing it at home to your child. Absolutely, that's that's yeah. the big problem. They don't want to recognize that they are narcissists. They don't want to recognize they have a problem because everything evolves around themselves. And yeah. uh, so it's it's and. The other thing, when parents are playing the victims and the kids, they become victim. They have the victim syndrome when they grow up. Mentality. Yeah, mentality. I want to ask you a question right. before we finish. I saw that you will be speaking alongside Martin Luther King III in July 2021. Yes, I'm oh, so, so excited exciting. about Yes, I am excited. You know what? That opportunity actually came through my men's health show. You know, I meet with this big community of men, a global community. And as we share the stories and they feel safe, really, I've created that space for them. And one of them said, I would love you to speak at this conference. I think you are the right person because indeed mental health, men's mental health in the workplace, it's not talked about. Like, I mean, there's still many organizations that don't necessarily have any form of support of mental health. I mean, things are evolving now with uh, with uh, COVID-19. So yes, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. I'll be talking about men's mental health in the workplace. Good. Martin Luther King is such a legend. I love him. I always love loved him. him. I loved what he stood for. He was a real leader. And that's why he was assassinated, right? Yes, we live in the societies where people don't want to hear the truth, unfortunately. I know, I know. Thank you so much for uh, for spending some time with me. And uh, I good luck and let's keep in touch. And if you come to Vancouver, we can go and grab a coffee or if I decide to, yes. Let's do that. Looking forward for that. Looking forward to that. You know what? I'm not sure if it did not get interrupted. My daughter, I don't know what's going on upstairs. There's a noise. 
And feel free, Eva, we can do this again. Like I said, Fridays are my Fridays. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, there is no happiness without love. Love yourself first. Love your partner. And until next time, goodbye.